Hello, hello. Hi. Welcome back, friends. How we doing? We've been reunited. Reunited, and it feels so feels good. so good. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. Hey. And by we, I mean me. And um, we together are. Yeah. We're finally here together because well, our last two episodes were. No. Uh, no. Anyway. Never we're, mind, we're bitches. And we're back for the first ever Sinister Sunday. Woo! A Sinister Sunday Ooh. by the Sinister Sisters. Sisters. <laughs> Sisters. Sisters. <laughs> this Sunday is a me episode. So we're talking Whee! about something non true crime. Now, actu- <laughs> actually. Ever since we did the last episode, the last Sunday episode, when we talked about the abandoned Six Flags Park, hmm. I've been on a kick of watching abandoned video, abandoned places videos. So, your hair looks cute. Oh, thanks. I got <laughs> cut on Saturday, and then I finally washed it. So, on my lunch I break like it. today. <laughs> Came home to shower on my lunch break. Fair. Good use of time. Anyway. (laughs) Slide note. (laughs) So yeah, I've been on this kick of watching all these abandoned videos. Obsessed. Bright Sun. Abandoned building videos. Yes. Yes. Bright Sun Films does some good ones. So I just was wondering, why are these things so interesting? (laughs) And also, why? um, Like, I can't be the only one who's fascinated with these things because there's full YouTube channels of people just exploring abandoned buildings. So I thought I would take a little stroll, a little dig to see why abandoned places and more generally liminal spaces are so interesting to the people. And Sinister Mom. Sinister Mom. And Sinister Shrimp. Yeah. So the, the theory of liminal spaces is rooted in the anthropological theory of liminality. And liminality is the quality of ambiguity or disorientation that occurs during a rite of passage. When someone trash, tra- when someone transitions from their pre-ritual status, but has not yet reached the point of where they will be once the ritual is completed. Um, so essentially it's like the place in between when you're standing between the before and the after. Yeah. Um, and so liminality can be observed on a, on a person, individual level. So things like, you know, puberty or like high school graduation, that sort of thing, but it could also be observed on a much larger societal scale. So a really good example of a liminal moment in time was that minute when you found out that COVID lockdown was going to be happening in your location. And so at that moment, you were between a free, joyful, pre-pandemic experience and the dark, doomful, post-pandemic person (laughs) that you would become. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Actually, when I actually wrote it down, I did it in more positive terms. I put, at that moment, we were no longer individuals or societies who had never experienced a life-changing pandemic. 
and we had not yet grown the thick skin required to live in the post-pandemic world. Which is kind of. Yeah, I like the dark and doom doom filled person that you are now. I've given up on being alive. Pants. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> remote work? We went in two different directions, though. <laughs> we did. That's okay. <laughs> so, this liminality phenomenon in anthropology was observed a long time ago, um, I think in the 1960s. And so more recently and more modernly, liminality has become tied to the idea or like aesthetic of liminal spaces. And a liminal space is a location which is in transition between two other states of being or between two other locations. So often these spaces are abandoned and they're empty and they make you sort of feel like the space is frozen in time. Feels kind of unsettling, but also really familiar. Liminal spaces are often characterized as having a sense of ambiguity or indeterminacy, and and the people occupying them are also considered to be in a state of transition. So in the context of abandoned places, the liminal space piece refers to the state of transition that they're in. Often abandoned places were once bustling with activity, they had a really specific positive purpose, And now they're deserted and starting to decay. So it's sort of like that juxtaposition between the two states. They are also often seen as eerie or unsettling. And they contain remnants of their past uses. And also the memories from the people who used them previously. But now they're empty and abandoned. So in that Six Flags New Orleans video, we talked about about i think or at least during my research i heard from people who had previously really enjoyed going to the parks and experiencing like the joy that was to be had there and then now it's just sad to look at it because it's no longer anything but house alligators basically (laughs) because of their liminal nature abandoned places like shopping malls and theme parks often have a certain fascination for people and they're often depicted in pop culture as like eerie haunted otherworldly sort of um, places and you can kind of see that in you know back to the six flags park where it was used in these like futuristic post-apocalyptic films after it was abandoned so it definitely has that yeah spooky atmosphere spooky scary skeletons and shivers down your spine I don't know. (laughs) Just a little dance break. The abandoned places can be seen as a metaphor for societal or cultural change, as once thriving places now stand as a reminder as what was and what could have been. That's bloody sad, that is. I know. Abandoned places are also considered as a prime example of post-industrial or post-modern urban spaces, that are now in a state of limbo, reflecting on the societal shift in consumption patterns, urban planning, and the impact of technology. I think this is especially evident with shopping malls. So with the rise in online shopping and the switch in demographics in larger centers has made urban shopping malls really a thing of the past. The popularity of shopping malls in the 80s and 90s led to a really large oversaturation in the 
mall market <laughs> and yeah. in places cities um or like mostly everywhere where land prices are skyrocketing it makes very little sense to set aside like these hundreds of thousands of square feet for something that's not busy and not really being utilized especially if it could be better used as like a living space or community services that sort of thing simply having stores is no longer enough to keep most malls open and we are seeing more of a demand for diverse multi-use shopping and entertainment projects so if you think like the west edmonton mall is is still mm -hmm. really busy but it isn't just a mall there's lots of other activities yeah. and it could be the water park the water park it could easily be yeah. like all the way out for a family and not be terribly expensive yes. because there are lots of like playgrounds and mini golf and things like that that you could do um like used to be in our hometown mall and then they just turn it into a shopping mall. It used to be games and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like a an outdoor mall. Yeah. Very yeah. lame. Very lame. Nowhere for Santa to go in the winter Christmas. I know. Speaking of Santa, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Abandoned places also evoke a lot of feelings of nostalgia for a different time or place time and place since con i think to me theme parks and shopping malls both remind us of that small piece of freedom that we were able to have as kids like in a safe place yeah going to the the summer carnival or um you know your parents drop you off at the mall for a couple of hours and so we really associate that happiness of those like long summer days with no responsibilities with these locations and so seeing these locations abandoned or in decay or less of what they used to be um is a good sort of like metaphor for our generation growing and becoming old and no. whatnot <laughs> i'm not old in like a casual fun friendly way um skinny boy is going to be 28 in November. <laughs> Holy frickle frog. Yeah. And on Man's my, is old. <laughs> on my next birthday, I will be 27. I'm going to be 24 on my next birthday. Yeah. You're which now, is... You're now older than I was at the start of the pandemic. Weird. Right? Very weird. I was going to say that it's weird because I didn't think I'd live to see 18. Here we are, thriving and almost Thrive. 24. Thriving. So as we can see from this case example, it gets better. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Especially if you... Just break up with that shitty boyfriend. Break up then... with that shitty boyfriend go to therapy it gets better get see a your doctor you might you know yeah medication might be the answer for you yeah was for me anyway life advice with life the sinister sisters sisters <laughs> anyway we're actually kidnapped and we're kept in a basement <laughs> to make money for our parents sinister so parents 
Like on The Sims, <laughs> when you kidnap a bunch of kids from the townies and just make them paint in your basement. You and I play very different Sims games. <laughs> I'm like, I want two and a half children. I want a nice house and a dog and a car. And I want my adult Sims to have hobbies and not just be parents. You know, have a job. Read books on the couch in the evenings. <laughs> oh. But you play The Sims 4, so it takes them four hours to pick a book from the bookshelf and take it to the couch. No, I play The Sims sim hours. 3 if I'm going to play. Uh, mm -hmm. Gameplay-wise, if I'm going to build, I play The Sims 4 because it's just better for building. But Building, yeah. Yeah. I play The Sims 2. I'm so quirky. Anyways, this doesn't matter. Anyway, this is such a side sidebar. But The Sims is also something that evokes a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people of our age. So it's really just yeah. a really long segue back into what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the abandoned places have that piece of nostalgia and that like happy feeling associated from when we were kids. It can also be seen as a reminder of the impermanence of things. And I think that's what attracts me to these spaces. Like the, the fact that something um, so previously bustling and important and fun or exciting or, you know, built for a very specific purpose could just all of a sudden be gone and abandoned. And like the shell of itself yeah. confuses me. I'm sure that's something... I could talk about in therapy, but hey. it's um, a commentary on humanity. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We are fun and bubbly and, you know, for a specific purpose for the 90 years we're alive. And then poof, poof, impermanence. Mm hmm. I want to have an existential crisis. <laughs> Not again. I am 24 almost. I am temporary. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you about this later, but I have also had one of those moments lately, but it's more depressing. So we won't, oh, cool. we won't bother the pod with it. Mm. <laughs> Abandoned places can also be a really good, like place to invoke imagination and creativity. Often they're seen as like a blank canvas, especially because they no longer serve that function that they were built for anymore. So they could really then become anything, right? So they become sort of endless possibilities for interpretation, storytelling, for art. They often inspire photographers and graffiti artists and filmmakers to capture the beauty of the decay, to reflect on the past and to imagine potential alternate futures. I really enjoy often the like juxtaposition between the images of a place in use and then an image of a place abandoned. Or even sometimes um, I'm a member of my city's vintage Facebook group and they post a mm -hmm. lot of like before and after pictures of downtown and like different neighborhoods and things like that, which I think is really cool, especially in the context of somewhere that you see every day is really interesting as well. The heightened interest in liminal spaces has also seen a little bit of a rise in urban legends surrounding the phenomenon. 
Have you ever heard of the back rooms? Yes. So creepy. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who maybe don't know what I'm talking about, the back rooms is basically this like internet urban legend that's associated with creepy pasta, creepy pasta, and pasta. yeah, I mean, yeah. Don't tell the Americans. So. <laughs> um, I work with an Italian gentleman, and he says mm-hmm. pasta. So settle then in it. That's the tea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the the backrooms legend describes a mysterious and alternate dimension that is supposedly hidden behind the walls of everyday buildings. The backrooms are said to be maze-like and infinite and filled with these strange repeating hallways and rooms and other strange creatures that you might have to Ooh. escape from. Ooh. Some love some legends say that the backrooms are a parallel dimension. That can be accessed through hidden doorways, while others suggest that they're more of like a hallucination or a shared dream. I'm gonna put some images in the case file of what the back rooms supposedly look like. But essentially, if you imagine the most basic bitch empty office building, you know, that like cheap, cheap, cheap carpet that's basically not even carpet, fluorescent <laughs> lighting, these like off-white yellow walls, and then this Gross, empty yeah. room. There's a hallway branching off to one side that's the same yellow, same cheap carpet, same weird lighting. And it just feels like familiar for no real reason. Because a lot of people have never worked in an office building like that. They're not really built like Mm -hmm. that anymore, I I wouldn't say. 1970s asbestos. Yes, asbestos chic, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) There is a really creepy video YouTube thing that i'll link down below that's called um the back rooms found footage and it's like um like a horror thriller genre like short film on youtube i think it's maybe like 10 minutes and it just captures that feeling of like this is weird i feel like i've been here before even though that i know that i haven't Mm. for this phenomenon it's really very well done and i read today i watched it previously And then I read today when I was doing the research that it was created by a 16-year-old boy. And I was like, what? Fans understands. 16-year-old? Oh my god. A baby. (laughs) Baby. Anyway, I thought that it would be fun now just to talk about two more abandoned places. Mostly because I was having fun researching and I thought this was interesting (laughs) to add. Um, and these all are topics that will never, there's not enough information to make them into like a full episode of any sort. So, number one, the City Hall subway station in New York City. It was opened in 1904. <laughs> For some reason, I really typed that totally the wrong way, and I put 1094. Am I dyslexic? Probably not the for correct. numbers. Um, 1904 is the correct year. <laughs> and it was one of the original New York City subway stations. There was 28 built originally. And this station is beautiful. You know, when you think of a New York City subway station, or maybe what you see in like fancy movies, like, I don't know, Sex in the City or whatever, where it's beautiful, it's like tiled and glass and like 
clean. This is what this one looks like. <laughs> um, if you've never been to New York, subways are disgusting. We've been. They smell like piss. There's garbage everywhere. It's dark. It's kind of spooky. It's really noisy, obviously, because there's trains. There's rats. It's just not and like it confusing. is in the movies. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, yeah, and you get on the wrong way, yeah. some yeah. man will tell you how to get to Brooklyn <laughs> to get into your pants, and yeah. you won't notice. Yeah. Hey, cat, we swerved him. You swerved him. He didn't have any interest in me, and you didn't swerve him. You were just oblivious as fuck. No, I knew what he was doing. I just got off at the subway station and was like. Bye! <laughs> Bobby. See ya! No, because we weren't trying to... We ended up in Brooklyn. We were yeah. trying to get to the 9-11 thing. The trade center, yeah. We just did yeah. a detour. It was fine. I feel like it's a rite of passage if you've been to New York to get lost in the subway system. Anyway, subways... New York. <laughs> in real life, disgusting. Subways in this city hall subway station? Fucking beautiful. So it's mm. a single platform... And it has glass tile work, skylights, and brass Ooh. chandeliers. It's uh, built in the Romanesque revival architecture style, which essentially just means it's like these really beautiful archways, lots of curves. The platform and the track are, are curved, and they're like on a tight curve. Mm. When it was in, in operation, it exclusively served local trains because the platform was not large enough to accommodate the 10 car express trains and then due to an increase in ridership and an increased usage of more modern trains with the center doors in each car it was deemed that the subway platforms at city hall were needed to be extended in order to serve new york city more appropriately however because the city hall station is on such a tight curve it was deemed that it was unable to be extended and the station itself was very close to the much larger and more modern Brooklyn Bridge Station. So the city in December of 1945 decided to close the City Hall Station. It's now listed as a National Historic Place. And the New York Transit Museum gives tours periodically. Um, so you can go down and see it. It's beautiful. I'm going to include some pictures cool. in the case file and also on the screen if you're watching. You've probably already seen them. <laughs> you can also see the station if you stay on the six train when it turns around. So because it's this city hall station is on like a loop, they use it now to turn around from like a downtown train to an uptown train. So you could see That's it. Cute. Yeah. I'll send you shrimp some photos so you don't have to wait till the case yeah. file comes out. <laughs> yeah. I get first dibs because I'm special. Because I'm the sinister sister. Okay. <laughs> and then the second smaller abandoned place that I'm going to talk about, which I think Sinister Dad is going to be interested in if he doesn't already Ooh. know about it. So you better tell us, Sinister Dad. Yeah. <laughs> in the Thames estuary, yes. about an eight-mile boat trip from Whitsuberry. <laughs> that's not even... That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Whitstable. An eight mile boat trip from Whitstable. There are a number of anti aircraft defense towers that were constructed in 1942. 
and they were there essentially to help defend the UK during World War II. Fuck you, Hitler. Yes. The- we won, bitch. Yes, bitch. These ones in particular <laughs> were operated by the army. And then further out, there are four naval forts, which um, were there to deter German air raids from following the Thames as a landmark. And they reported mm. on air raids coming in. They're like quite, a far, quite far out into the channel. The army forts themselves feature clusters of seven stilted buildings that surround a command tower. When they were actively in use, the um, surrounding buildings were connected by catwalks, which looked like really scary, sketchy, like metal rope bridges, if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Originally, there were three forts, three army forts constructed, but there are only two standing now. And those are called the Red Sands Fort and the Shivering Sands Fort. Mm. Once the Second World War was over and there was no real need for these anymore, they were decommissioned. And then they were famously overtaken by pirate radio stations in the 60s and the 70s. (laughs) So people ran. Like radio stations for pirates or like radio stations stations that that took over from like the BBC. They were like operating illegally. So they were out there. It's like, who's going to get me out here? You know, the police aren't going to raid an old army fort. Really? Pirates are actually real, you know. I know. Very crazy. Scary. Anyway. Wild. You can actually still see the forts from the coastline in Whitstable. That place. Um, That place down the river from... Exactly. From... Um, Estuary. Um, Estuary because they are not that far out. So on a clear day, you can see them. They are now deemed to be dangerous, and so it's not advised to go to them, to go on them, especially because they're in the middle of the ocean, basically, the middle of the sea. So you might drown and die. So on a separate side note, this is not about these places being abandoned, but I thought it was funny. So I thought I would tell this story as well. So on one of the formal naval forts, so the ones that are a little further out, um, a person called Major Paddy Roy Bates occupied <laughs> one of them and declared it as a sovereign principality and named it Sealand. For four decades, Bates and his family, with like a variety of visitors, occupied the land and named themselves royalty. They went about business as if they were heads of state. They just made their own country, essentially. You can do that? I guess. In 1978, a German citizen who claimed to be the Prime Minister of Sealand attempted to take over the island while Bates was away. Bates then retook the island by helicopter attack and held the German captive. Germany then attempted to negotiate with Britain to get the, you know, the citizen home. Um, but Britain mm-hmm. said Sealand wasn't their country. And so... <laughs> So the Germans then had to negotiate. <laughs> Fuck di- you, Germany! Literally, yeah. The Germans then had to negotiate directly with Bates, and after a few weeks, the German man was returned to Germany. <laughs> you know, you could just invent a country. I guess so. I'm going to do that. Sealand has also issued passports, minted coins, and participated in international sporting events. They have also fired shots at the British Navy for getting too close. 
unfortunately. In 2006, there was a fire on the island which destroyed the main power generator. And the Bates family asked for donations to help rebuild their island home. However, currently they live in Essex, um, but they still have representation on the island, apparently. (laughs) But I thought that was very funny. Like, you just, you're like, oh, there's some abandoned military forts out there. So I'm just going to get on my boat. I'm going to put my fake flag for sea land in the dirt. And um, I'm a king now, bitch. (laughs) Claimed. Claimed. I want to do that. (laughs) I just... Oh my god, that would solve all of my problems. Shrimp land. Because I wouldn't be a capitalist. Hell yeah. And I'd pay, I'd I'd just have cats. (laughs) My literal dream is to start a commune. (laughs) Like a non-culty thing. Yeah, just like a... Like, we'll pool resources, we'll pool work, we'll grow food, we'll milk cows whatever raise the children together raise the children together if there's children people can you know put in yeah. website infrastructure we can charge taxes it'll be great that's like the dream the millennial dream every time- is to become a pioneer every time i ever watch a documentary about a cult i'm like this doesn't seem so bad and then they murder people and i'm like fuck yeah. well that if you didn't do that like a non-murdery cult would be nice what do you think about that, Ethan? Yeah, Ethan. We're communists. We're communists, baby. What do you think about that, sinister dad? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to have to pay taxes and go to work. Oh, I'm fine and... with paying taxes. I want to be looked after for paying taxes. I'm not looked after. I pay 35%, or 40%, whatever my income, to the government. They don't shovel snow off my roads. They don't pick up my trash. I have to pay for that separately. They don't give me water or power. What am I paying taxes for then? They don't even fix the roads. Health. Potholes. Healthcare. I can't get healthcare. I wanted to see a psychiatrist. There was a one year wait time. I had to pay to get access to the psychiatric care that I needed. Holy fuck. You know? Everything is awful. Sponsor me, Fatburger. Taking any and all sponsorships so that we can um, live our communist dreams. Thank you. (laughs) I will show you my feet if you you transfer me some money. Hell yeah. (laughs) They're good feet. They are good feet. Very bendy. <laughs> Very bendy and compressible. Did I just become a pimp? <laughs> I feel like I was pimping out your feet there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's but, fine. Hey, it's a family it's business. Great to good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Please leave that in. Anyway, this has deteriorated. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like us, follow us, subscribe to us, come to our Instagram to see the case file. Watch. Can't even see me anymore. Watch the YouTube video as well to see the case file on the screen. Listen and then watch, you know. At Sinister Sisters Podcast on YouTube. YouTube and TikTok. 
at sinistersisters.podcast on Instagram. And then don't forget the dot. Um, you can email us at sinistersisterspod at gmail.com. And we'll get back to you. Maybe. Probably. I check we might it. just I check it. Make you I respond to yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might just make fun of you in every single episode. Oh yeah. If you say something stupid, Sisters. we will bully you for the rest of time. So don't say something stupid. Yeah. You've been warned. <laughs> okay, bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.